Blood Time, the podcast that speaks to the bond, the emotion between coach and athlete at the interscholastic and intercollegiate level. Each interview, each segment will reveal that bond and what was learned, how they were transformed, and what each athlete took to the world at large from that transformation. These stories will warm your heart and astound you all together. Submitted for your approval, now it is blood time. I want to thank Serve Pro of Beachwood, our newest sponsor, and Jack Coslin, the owner. They serve all of Northeast Ohio, not just Beachwood. They specialize in disaster cleanup that leaves your home or office like new, like it never happened. Flood and water damage, fire, mold, and they say even blood and guts. Not just any ServPro. Seek out ServPro of Beachwood. That's ServPro Beachwood, ShakerHeightsClevenHeights.com, 216-464-4498. Operated by a former All-State wrestler from Beachwood, we love ServPro of Beachwood. Hey guys, welcome to Blood Time. This is Coach Cimarroni. I want to thank our last guest, Dr. Jen Welter, the first NFL coach, female NFL coach, and her code, Be Authentic. I loved it. Uh, she was just, she was told by everybody, just be yourself and it will play well. And it did play well to this day. She was awesome. She was inspiring. And I really want to thank, thank you, Jen. Today, another inspirational guy, go-getter, Mike Friedman, one of my uh, good friends for years and years and years, also a co-coach of mine. I was the head coach at Beachwood High School in 1987-88, and he was the head basketball coach in 1987-88, but he also graduated from uh, Beachwood High School a couple years before me, and I had the opportunity to watch him as an athlete as well. Michael, welcome. Thanks, Peter. Glad to be here. Oh, we're glad to have you in here. And so you just wrote a book. My Bible of Blunders, which is awesome, right? Uh, but more importantly, uh, you know, with a blunder comes obviously successes, but more importantly, even more importantly than that, getting up to bat to try. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, your start as an athlete and then what inspired you to get into coaching and then eventually into the business world and transfer that information. Okay, great. Uh, happy to do it. Happy to be here. It's a, first of all, it's a great question. I was, uh, grew up as a basketball player. Loved right. basketball. I grew up in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, and then I transferred. Uh, my family uh, moved to Beachwood. Reluctantly, I, I went with them. Tried to, I remember. Tried, I tried I remember. to run away one day because <laughs> I didn't right. want to go to Beachwood, <laughs> yes, but because uh, I had my friends. Right. And when you're 15 years old, you know that's all you know. Right. Um, grew up uh, next door to a guy named Barry Shamus, mm -hmm. who uh, got me into basketball when I was nine or 10 years old, and it was in my blood. And right. I was a decent player um, athletically. You know, I was a tall and somewhat fast, but I had small hands and small feet, which are not good traits to be a basketball player. Right. And um, I always really enjoyed the teamwork better than actually the individual um, part of basketball. And as a sophomore in high, uh, high school, you know, I started on the JV team. And then our senior year, we had a hell of a year. We had the best right. year, uh, the first team in the history of that school in 1973 to win a tournament game. We actually won two. Right. And my close friend, Bruce Kretsch, became All-City, and uh, I led the city in assists. And I think I have a record that still still stands there at 9.1 assists a game. Wow. Um, 
And uh, <laughs> and my freshman year, I wanted uh, college. I wanted to play basketball at Ohio University. Right. And uh, I got a taste of the reality, um, okay. athletically. Right. And just skill wise, I was not good enough to play Division One basketball. Right. And probably not even good enough to play Division Two or Three. And I had a heart to heart myself, and I said, you know what? You know, and I'm glad it happened early. I wasn't going to be an NBA player. I wasn't going to even be a college player, but I right. wanted to be a coach. I always had kind of some natural, I guess, leadership skills, sure. as captains of the team and all that stuff. And uh, as a freshman at um, at Ohio University, I wrote a letter to then the recreation director, Jimmy Cowan. Okay. And uh, I said, Jim, I want to um, I, I want to start a basketball league. Fantastic. And they never had it before. And uh, Jimmy still has the letter in his uh, records, and he had it actually written in a, in a frame okay. at the recreation department <laughs> for goodness. 15 years. Because right. it was it was about 40 mistakes. It was handwritten. There were no computers. You know, I, sure. I don't think I even knew how to use a typewriter. Right. And uh, he gave me an opportunity, and I started the first Beachwood Summer League, and we had uh, we actually had about 45 kids who went wow. came in between the ages of six years old to the age of 14. Right, and then I ran a, a men's adult league, and like anything in life, you build, and it was very successful. Sure. The second year, we had two hundred kids. Holy cow! And uh, it was in my blood, and, and I just I loved it. Right. Um, ended up uh, graduating from the University of Arizona, okay. um, and came home and wanted to be a coach. And unfortunately, when you don't know coaches and you weren't a great player yourself, it's very difficult. Sure, I wanted to get into the college, especially then, because there's so many kids. So, so I mean, I remember, you know. When I played, there was so many wrestlers. Yeah. It was just like, you know, it was crazy. Very competition com- was very competitive right. and I didn't know really how to network and I didn't sure. I didn't have any connections. So Well we didn't nobody knew how to network. Nobody knew how <laughs> there was no such thing <laughs> as networking. Right. It was just like So here's my <laughs> networking uh and this is old school. Again, there's no right. computers. Sure. And if you remember in the old days in athletics at the college world, there's yeah. only one resource was called the blue book. Right. And yeah. I I Borrowed the blue book from Case Western Reserve, which had 313 Did college- you borrow that in quotes or uh, did you return it? <laughs> um, I think I borrowed it in quotes <laughs> okay. from Bill Sudak. I don't think, I think he, you know, may he rest in peace, the old right. coach of Case Western Reserve, my the old statute mentor. statute of limitations is over. Correct. Okay. So that blue book I uh, hand wrote right. and used a Xerox copy, sure. 313 letters to uh, college athletic directors, wow. uh, Division One, Two, Three, and, and junior colleges. Oh, wow. And, um, uh, spent a lot of my own money, like all my own money. It was a lot at the time on stamps yeah. and sent out 313 letters. And believe wow. it or not, only four came back and the four basically blew me off. Sure. So that was my first year uh, right. trying to be a college Gee, thanks coach. thanks for writing an, <laughs> right. so, an, an FU letter. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. And I, yeah. I, I actually coached with Cleveland State okay. as, a, as a, um, a volunteer. Sure. And I coached the Beachwood eighth grade team. Wow. And I ran some summer leagues at the YMCA. So I kept, kept in yeah. it. Kept the second year... I changed my tactic. Okay. I did the same letter, right? But this time I said, and I don't know. I got lucky. I don't know if somebody told me or I thought about it. I said, I'm going to be in your town between March 17th and April 3rd. I want to interview. Brilliant. I Brilliant. got 17 responses okay. from Denny Crum from Louisville at wow. the time. A right. uh, guy from Louisiana State, Tracy Trapuca from Utah. The Tracy problem was wow. everybody, yeah. everybody. You know, if, if they said yes to that date, I couldn't be in all those places. Right. So it ended up a really good story. That was a time where, again, if any basketball fans out here listening, March Madness was started by Magic Johnson and Larry Bird's um, epic final Indiana game. Indiana State in versus Michigan. Michigan State in Salt Lake City, yes. Utah. Right. And I was there. 
Wow. I bought a scalper ticket. I was in the seventh row. I still had the program. It's probably worth something. Wow. But during that time, I was traveling and interviewing. Sure. And, you know, I didn't have I didn't have a lot of backing except my love and passion and ended up sure. a guy at the University of California, Davis, Bob Hamilton, who passed away about 10 years ago, okay. gave me an opportunity. Wow. And he said, you know what? I like I like what you've done. Come on here. So I uh, packed my car. Uh, traveled three days to um, Davis, California. Didn't wow. know a soul. Houston, didn't have Davis. any money. Yeah. Borrowed some money to go to graduate school. And I spent two great years there. Fantastic. And, and the most important thing I did there was I learned how to network right. because I started working the basketball camps in the summertime sure. to make make ends meet. And a guy named Max Shapiro, who owned Great American Sport Camp, liked me. Yeah. And I did Jamal Wilkes, uh, who is now a Hall of Fame basketball sure. player yeah. out of Santa Barbara and UCLA. He's now a preacher. Silk, Silk that's, that's right. That's right. I ran his camp, and I did a pretty good job. And yeah. Max Shapiro said, I want you to work all my camps. And I got the opportunity to run Magic Johnson's first basketball camp wow. in 1980 after he won his championship. Sure. And then I ran Pat Riley's basketball camp. And I had a great time, and I became God, these are the just pikers, man. I became the camp guy. <laughs> right. And okay, and I then I, again, I'll really quickly. Yeah. After I decide, after I got my master's degree, I had a job offer at Stanford. Sure. I turned it down because I wanted to come home. It was actually a smart move because the coach Dick DiBiasio, who was the head coach, was going to give me a. Uh, Kind of a sec. I would have been the fourth assistant. Yeah. He got fired the next year. We all got fired. Oh, gosh, yeah. So I came yeah. back home to Cleveland. I right. worked for uh, Bill Sudek at Case oh, Western sure. Reserve yeah. for two reasons. One is I was going to be the head assistant coach, right. even though it was a small college. Right. And two is he let me run and start my own basketball camp because that was really in my blood. That's what you needed, yeah. And I started right. a camp called the Spartan Basketball Camp, which went for 30 years. Uh, wow. I only ran it for two. Wow. First year, 80 kids. Second year, 300 kids. Holy and God. I had a lot of pro college High school stars that all went through that camp. As you know, as a coach, yep. it's a pretty great feeling when you see them as young guys and then they then they mature. Yes. And then in 1983, a head coaching job opened at Dyke College. Right. Um, I was only 28 years old. There were 91 applicants. I was the youngest. Okay. Um, people thought I was crazy. I wasn't ready to be a head college coach, right. but I thought I was. Sure. And uh, I had a good interview. But really what happened was I had four ref references, uh -huh. uh, Magic Johnson, right. Pat Riley, Larry Shiat, <laughs> sure. who is probably the most famous coach out of Cleveland that made it in the college level in okay. basketball, and um, uh, and then the athletic director at UCAL Davis. And right. I got the job, wow. and I became the winningest coach in the history of the school. Right. And then I retired early, I 31, <laughs> at 31, because I had married and I had a child, and my wife... Uh, decided that it wasn't a good profession to make a living and support a family, and I chose I, my I wife. Resemble, I resemble that remark. Right. I, I remember the exact <laughs> same conversation with mine. I yes. chose my wife over uh, my passion and career, sure. and I went into sales and uh, was a natural and started making money, but I was bored. And uh, well, I got the camaraderie. Just not yeah, yeah, you there's, don't there's have no it. way to recreate. You that. can't it's recreate very difficult. it. Can't very recreate difficult, the coaching yeah. camaraderie or the playing camaraderie. No, it's very difficult. And uh, I got an opportunity to come back to my alma mater at Beachwood right. High School Beechwood, yes. and worked one year and had a blast and that's won a championship. Right. And finally, I got it out of my system. I love it. Well, um, that's that was the year we were coaching together. That's exactly at, right, at Beachwood. And you know, yeah. it's interesting what you're talking about networking. Think about here we sit. We're we're what two feet apart. Yep. Okay. But we didn't talk. When you were graduating high school, that's or whatever, right. That's right. If we would have had a conversation that you wanted to get into coaching, and I had the the foresight to call Jerry Tarkanian, who's my cousin, right? I remember. God rest his soul. 
What would have changed in your life? Might have changed. Isn't that the weirdest That's thing? Right. These sliding doors that You're life presents right. itself. Yep. That we could be sitting next to that person, right. and we don't even know what we don't know. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I didn't even know how close my family was to Tark when I was that age. And I learned. You introduced me to Tark. You I, might forget. Uh, maybe oh, at no. the Marriott or one day we sure. you're at some bar and you introduced me Absolutely. to him. And, and then yeah. 20, oh, 20, 35 years later, yes. I was with Jerry Tarkanian at a restaurant in Del Mar, California, okay. where Bobby Knight and all sorts of other coaches. Right. I was invited by a guy that, uh, Bobby Boyd, who's the head coach at USC, who was close friends with Tark. His yes. son played for me at Cal Davis. I was yeah. working in the real estate business. He said, hey, sure. you want to you wanna have every... Wednesday during the Del Mar racing season, fifteen coaches would come, including Tark, and they'd oh, cool. all hold court. And I was invited. So cool! Oh my gosh, that is so cool. Well, it's interesting because I had a, we had a dinner at the house, and Tark was there, and we invited Kevin Mackey. Ah, uh-huh. okay. So I have a picture of, of Mackey me. and Tark. I have a picture of me in the middle with John Carroll wrestling sweatshirt on, okay. and under one arm is Tark, and the other arm is Kevin Mackey. Before the nonsense hit with right. the, the but nonsense. still to yeah. this day, yeah. two of the greatest. Defensive basketball coaches that ever, that ever lived. Oh, yeah, I mean, just Tarkini never got his credit. He was probably the greatest defensive coach of all time, and right. Mackey was a great defensive coach too. He just didn't, you know, he got some problems. Well, I remember bringing him in for midnight basketball. Yeah. Okay, and that was Randy Mintz was involved. Yeah. Okay, and he did the 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 defensive clinic. Yep. Right. And he was so funny. People would pay for his book. Okay. And he just charged ten bucks, and he had this wads of tens. Who, Mackey? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, oh Tark, Tark. <laughs> I mean, he was still, a, you know, he was from Euclid. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah, you know yeah. I, mean? I know that. So, and his father died young. Okay, his father died when he was in eighth grade, so he never ended up going to Euclid High School. They moved to California, right? To, to Fresno. Fresno. Uh-huh. Yeah, big Armenian community right. out there, and so he—that's where he matriculated out there. Got so it. interesting, interesting story. But he was still a street kid from Euclid, yep. and he was stuffing his <laughs> pockets that's with so ten-dollar bills. But let's let's get back to okay. you know, so so you get into the business world you find it a little bit dispassionate you find you're making a you're making a living you're making a good living you're you're supporting your your beautiful bride cindy right, right who went also went to beachwood uh dear dear girl and you, you know you have some kids but where are you finding your passion so now take us to the next, right, so next step what i learned and if, and if anybody wants to read the book my bible of blunders all the mistakes it. yeah what i learned is something that i've i learned early right that skill sets can be transitioned okay and can be transferred so my skill set of coaching which is what recruiting sure motivating and managing can be taken into different disciplines let me stop you for a second what coach inspired you this again this blood time moment okay what coach said to michael freeman that michael freeman somehow articulated that to himself i can do this Two coaches. Okay. One who one who I met later on, I read his book, but the one before that was Larry Shiat, who I mentioned before. There you go. Yeah. So when I was in seventh grade, Larry Shiat was a senior at Cleveland Heights High School and mm-hmm. told me, uh, you know, that's the time people start smoking and drinking and, sure. you know, kind of getting, getting away from, from what you're well, supposed we, to do. You know, we came out of the 60s. Right. We yeah. were all supposed to do it. And sure. Larry basically said, hey, you're, you're an athlete. Right. And one day you're going to be a leader. He yep. said, don't smoke and drink. And believe it or not, I'm six, going to be 65 next week. I've never smoked a cigarette or drank alcohol. That's the impression that Larry Shiat did. Now, Larry wow. Shiat, just 30 seconds in his career, yeah. he was an assistant college coach for 24 years. Wow. He was at Clemson. He was at 
um, New Mexico. He was at Providence. He was at Cleveland State. He was wow. at Akron. He was at Utah. And finally, he got his first head coaching job in his 50s. Wow. Talk about paying his dues at, at yeah. Clemson. Okay. And then he went to Wyoming. And uh, the interesting, he went to Wyoming twice. But the interesting thing about Wyoming, for any Cleveland listeners, yeah. he's the one that recruited Larry Nance Jr. Oh, wow. And he's the one okay. that helped Larry Nance Jr. come from an average player at Revere High School mm-hmm. to now you know an NBA player making several million dollars. That's yes. all, Larry. Larry retired twice. And then now he's Rick Carlisle's defensive coordinator at the Dallas Mavericks. So he's been a... Role model for me for 40 years. Holy cow. And then my sophomore year in college, when yeah. I realized I wasn't good enough to play, I came home during the Christmas vacation. And it was a cold winter night. And uh, I brought John Wooden's book, and uh, The Wizard of it. Westwood. Yeah. And uh, it just resonated with me. And mm-hmm. I couldn't put the book down. I literally read it all night and all day. And I decided then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for this. I, 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 I love that because I quote Wooden's. Yep. I know the pyramid better, of success I'm, and I'm all better, that. I'm better than no man, and no <laughs> right. man is better than me. Right. And I tell the kids, when you got get on that mat, you you got to think that way. Right. You know what I mean? So, but I, I I love that. And so you get this this kernel, this this core. I can do it from these two guys, maybe more, bits and pieces, right? And now we take that to our coaching career, and now we take that into the business Got world. It. Okay, so Got now it. we're recruiting, we're motivating, we're we're systematizing it. What? Tell me, tell me. So more I'm about on a I'm on a long bus ride, okay. uh, from Cleveland to West Virginia when I was a coach at Dyke, and a, an Italian kid named Kenny Carrado, who mm-hmm. worked for Antonio's Pizza at Beechwood Place, started sure. telling me about pizza. Gotcha. And he said, you know, there's a lot of money to be made from pizza, and one day maybe we should start something. And okay. when I got when I decided to get out of the, even the one year at high school, oh, I yeah. thought, you know what, maybe one day I'll, I'll I'll call Kenny up. I called him up. I said, what do you think? He said, that's too hard. And, right. you know, it's it was just a crazy idea we had on a bus ride. But the idea resonated with me. And right. I thought, wow, owning a restaurant, which I had no experience, sure. zero, and no right. money, right. <laughs> and, and no mentors to help me. <laughs> but right. I thought, you know what, that would maybe be able to train my skill set of recruiting, sure. bringing people in, motivating, helping my, my staff work hard, right. and basically managing the whole process. I, I like the idea. Okay. So I decided, believe it or not, in a whim, mm-hmm. to open a pizza restaurant. Crazy whim. If yeah. I would have known years later what I knew then, I probably <laughs> wouldn't have done it. Right. Traveled across the country sure. for two and a half months wow. looking for the best pizza in the country. Okay. Ended up getting a franchise out of Rochester, New York called Captain Tony's right. Pizza and Pasta Emporium. Had many, and, many dinners and, there and, with my team. <laughs> absolutely. And Beachwood we, we, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I opened my first one yeah. uh, in 1989. Well, let me get, take you 30 seconds back because sure. it's important. So I had the dream. I sold the franchisor in giving a guy without experience and money uh-huh. a franchise. That was easy. That was yeah. only ten grand. Okay. And, and he and he carried the paper because I didn't have any money. Right. But the hard part was raising the money to open the restaurant. Right. Went right. to seven banks. Holy cow. Uh, in my nice three piece suit. Everybody knew me as a coach. Had a good right. reputation. Right. And all seven of them kicked me out and said, you know, no history. No collateral, and yeah. we don't want to do restaurants. Of course, and back yeah. then, the banks... Yeah, they, they were afraid. Yeah, and money. two of them offered me jobs as a banker, <laughs> of course. but nobody offered me money. Right. Uh, so I did my first of now many, many seminars that I've conducted yeah. at my dad's house because I had a small little house, had 20 friends and family, and right. basically raised 200 grand. In the, in the world of capital raising, wow. we wow. call it the three C's. Right. We call it conversation, we call uh, commitment, and uh-huh. we call it collection. <laughs> so it's easy to talk about it. Right. It's tougher to get people to commit 
real really tough hard. for people to write, to, to write the check. To write the check. <laughs> right. So I raised 240 ended up collecting 200 grand. Right. Uh, we opened up our first restaurant in Shaker Square in 1989, March 17th. Yep. Uh, we performed 440 grand, and we did 1.1 million, and we were off to the races. Oh, opened my second one in Rocky River. Yes. Seven months later, my third one in Beachwood, four months after that. Right. Again, mistakes. Yes. In my book, you can read about it. I will. I should have only stayed with my one. Thank you for the book. I was, you're welcome. I was yeah. making a lot more money in one than I was in three. Gotcha. But again, your ego gets a little big. You think if you can do this money in one, sure. you do the same in three and you'll be rich. Right. doesn't work that way. And, right. and again, fundamental thing I've learned in my career. Yes. In all business and in coaching. Sure. You you, you got to learn to delegate. Right. But you know, you, you're the boss or you're the head coach. You have to be there. You have to be invested. And when I had three, it was very hard. When I had seven, yeah. it was extraordinarily difficult. Sure. Be because like I wasn't coaching. hiring and recruiting everybody anymore. I had general managers and sure. managers. People that worked for me didn't even know who I was. Right. I lost the touch. Yeah. And and then I started a speaking company. And every time I traveled, I made like $500 to make a speech. Yeah. I came home. I was losing $1,000 because right. I wasn't minding my restaurant. Correct. And in any business I've done since then or before then, you got to mind the story. You got to mind the story. Develop skill sets of being on time, treating right. people right, having right. passion. Yeah. That, that That's more important than the actual fundamentals of accounting or right. business management or the analytics or logistics and all sure. these buzz terms that kids are going in graduate school and undergraduate school for. Yeah. There's certain fundamentals that you need to have. And you learn those. It's easier. Now, not easy, but easier yeah. to then move forward. So if you want to, the rest of the history is, so in 1999, after 10 years, right. no experience mind you, and running very successful restaurants. Yep. I got a call from a very dear friend and a very wealthy and smart friend who you know named Dean Adler from the Lupert Adler Funds. Sure. And he said, look, I think you're wasting your talents. One of the most brilliant REIT men in the country. Yeah, probably yeah. the top five uh, real estate fund guys in the United States. Yes, and, and yes. out of Philly, right? He's out of Philly. Yeah. Um, and recognized around the country. Right. Uh, with, with Ira Lupert. Ira Lupert who is Who is also partner, one of the top wrestlers. One of the great champions at Penn State. Yes, exactly. And, and he's, he's the biggest promoter of Penn State wrestling there is. I believe he was one of the <laughs> yeah. biggest reasons why Kale is over there, Sanderson. 100%. Okay. He recruited and, and, and hired him. Gotcha. With the team. gotcha. That's exactly so right. So thank you, Ira. Thank you, Dean. <laughs> God bless. All right, go ahead. So Dean Continue. said yeah. to me, Mike, you're wasting your talents. You're chasing 200 right. kids, Generation X, before the millennials, Generation X around. Sure. You're making a good living, but you can make a lot more in the sales and real estate world. Okay. Um, don't know why I had the confidence, but I sold all my restaurants. Right. And I went to work in a, in a business that I didn't really know anything about. Sure. Real estate. You know, okay. I had, and I did a few. So you recreated yourself again. Recreated myself Probably. again. Yeah. And I knew, I just had the confidence. You know, I have an expression, the faith to move a mountain yes. is the reward for those who have moved hills. Well said. So, you know, when you make little accomplishments, mm -hmm. one of the biggest awards of single small accomplishments and small goals right. is the confidence to do bigger goals. Love it. So I had the, I had the confidence to do that. Mm -hmm. um, they wanted me to move to Florida. My wife and my four children said no, so okay. I listened to them. So I was an offsite guy, and we just, uh, in 1999 to 2004, the Ginn Company, I was the 23rd employee. Bobby? Uh, Bobby, Bobby Ginn. Ginn, yeah. When I left to start my own company, we were 3,000. We started with God. one development in Hammock Beach, Northeast Florida. Sure. We ended up yeah. with 13 developments. We sold 3.4 billion 
Wow. That's with a B, wow. dollars of real estate. It was a home run. Now, again, we at times were good. Sure. We had the wind at our back, but we were right. the best, what we call, launch marketing company in the United States. Yes, you were. I learned those skills. I decided to take it on my own. I started my own fund. And then in 2005, uh, a fellow Clevelander named Scott Berkowitz joined my company, and okay. uh, we opened up a a resort residential development called Liberty Harbor in Brunswick, Georgia. I know we have limited time, so I'm going to go fast. Sure. From Brunswick, Georgia, we went to California wow. uh, at a place called Montessoro. From California, I went to Mexico in a place called Bahia Principe. From I Bahia, remember. I from, remember you calling. I think calling me from there yeah, or something. Because I met with I used to about do seminars and all that. <laughs> right, yeah. from, and from yeah. uh, Mexico, uh, I went to um, Colorado. From Colorado, I went to... New Mexico, a place, wow. <laughs> a place called Silver Lake. From New Mexico, I went to New York. From New York, I went to North Dakota. Oh, and that, that right. was the last eight or 10 years I was on the road, mostly selling. Okay. And then in North Dakota, um, my partner was a Clevelander. Uh, we were developing cabins for the oil workers. It was sure, a big the shale oil, oil and all that. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. It was a big boom. Big, big boom. We were killing it, yeah. and he just left because it was 40 below zero. The girls oh, looked yeah. like guys. <laughs> you, right. you needed two tr two planes to get there, yeah. and I was stuck kind of there. I mean, I wasn't stuck, but he was my partner. He was, sure. And so I recreated myself one more time okay. in 2013. Instead of selling now, instead of developing, I was raising capital because there was a lot of developers that had all this demand and they couldn't get money. North Dakota right. banks were used to lending $50,000 to a plow. Of course. You know, a farm. Yeah, we course. were now needing $20 million for residential communities they for all no these oil workers. no idea what to do. Right, yep. exactly. And, and I had a pretty good reputation in New York and Chicago and San Francisco where the money is. Right. Started raising a lot of money. And then in 2014, I got a call from a friend of mine named Nico Bolzen. And he said, you oh, know, Mike, sure. he said, Mike, you're yeah. an idiot. I yeah. said, why? <laughs> so why are you raising money in North Dakota I, I work for a guy named Frank Sanito in Cleveland, and he could use your help. Millennium Housing uh, Management, uh, Lock Keepers, right. Marble Room. That's right. All what a, that. What amazing well, Marble dude. Room before I got there. Right, but, right. I mean, after I got there. Right. But amazing dude. Amazing dude. And yes. uh, we bonded. Nico left the company to work for somewhere else. Frank offered me the job. Me, Nico at one time was with Smart Business. He was. All those he guys. was. Yeah, I remember talking to him on many occasions. He was. Yeah, he was. Very guy. connected. Yeah. Good Talk guy. about networking. Exactly, great networker. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... Uh, so I started working for Frank, and it's been a great run. I actually literally just left Frank three months ago, but I worked okay. for Frank for five years. Wow. Proud to tell you, I raised $300 million. Holy cow. We went from 17,000 apartment units to 30,000, and we opened up a bunch of uh, wow. now restaurants as well as some really cool places in Cleveland, Ohio. Sure. And uh, Well, you just – didn't you do the Key Tower? We just did the Key Tower, which, which was is my the deal. Isn't that the largest? It's the largest building between New York and Chicago, and right. I put together the mezzanine – uh, debt and all the equity. So I remember it, talking to you about that. Yeah, yeah it, it was, was the phenomenal. single biggest uh, financial accomplishment I'd ever did. Actually, the day after we closed, I went to Delray Beach for a uh, month. I love with it. my wife and just <laughs> hung just out. Decompress. And yeah. uh, now my I, my new company, which is not new, it's been around since 2009, but now I'm working full time. And again, it's called the Revision Group. Sure. And what I do is instead of raising capital for one guy like Frank, okay. I raise capital for sponsors around the country. So revision, tell me wh the, why is it called the revision? Uh, I had a marketing girl in Colorado, yeah. and she liked the idea. Actually, it was about reinventing yourself okay. And, okay. and kind of looking at – she's a very good so marketer. So reflecting and then looking forward. That's so correct. vision, but lo reflecting, then looking. I like that. that that's yeah. exactly okay. right. Okay. That's and cool. uh, it's been it's been doing really, really well. We just opened our uh, second office in – Greenwich, Connecticut, and Congratulations. Uh, we're real excited about it. We're, we're 2019 was a big year. We think 2020 will be the best year ever. I love this. And, you know, Michael, the thing about 
I think just coaching, right, is also coaching yourself, yeah. right? And I yeah. tell the kids, I said, when I be a coach to yourself and also to the guy that you're wrestling with, you know, so your wrestling partner. And what I love about this story is I coached myself when I turned 60. I said, 60 is going to be my most prolific decade in my entire existence. I'm with you. So I'm working harder, smarter, faster. Yeah, and I said, this, and so this came to me. You know, what we're doing here, yep. we're sitting here, we said, this can't, cool. I have to do this. So you're saying to yourself, I got to do this, right? That's it's exactly not even right. a question of if, when, I got to do it. So you're doing it. So what's your, what's your vision for the revision group moving forward? Well, I like the fact that you and I are aligned. Uh, okay. If you do a little research, okay. you'll find, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on a board for that appreciation party I'm having, Love that it. many people... Okay. Many people have uh, made majority of their wealth after sixty years old. In that so we are, yeah, right we, on. <laughs> we are right on. So the yeah, sure. the vision of the revision group is: I want to have another ten year run. Love um, it. Every sponsor, the sponsor is a term we use for developer, okay, builder. They all need what we call equity. They all need money. No matter how wealthy they sure. are, they all need other people's money. Right. And now I have a very very good niche and a great reputation. Awesome. We want to build this to a look. I don't want to be a developer. I don't okay. want to own apartments. I don't want to own hotels. Right. I want to be the middleman to help people that do it better, that do it professionally, that you do it every day. Doing it. I want to coach them. I and and by it. the way, speaking yeah. about coaching, yeah. my most valuable asset to the company and yeah. my role is to coach the sponsor of what they have to prepare for the investment community. Brilliant. And so, so preparation. Preparation, preparation, what they're preparation. looking for. Like, right. you know, everybody watches Shark Tank and they sure. see these people up there. But the bottom line is a mini Shark Tank because when you go in front of the big Wall Street guys, you better be tight. You, yeah. you need to have certain characteristics of yourself, of your business, and you got to sure. have a professional offer memorandum. No doubt. And we teach them how to do that to have just increase their probability of having the people look at it. Are we talking about Dean Adler? Yes. He gets 40 deals a week. Oh, I'm sure. 40 sure, deals a week. Yeah. What differentiates what he's going to look at yeah. is generally what the offer memorandum's executive summary says in the first two paragraphs. And I guarantee you, Dean can even sniff that. Doesn't even have to look at it. He can, he, sniff, he can it. sniff it. Absolutely. If it comes in a little cardboard paper, he's yeah, throwing it. If it comes in a nice man, at least you know somebody put yeah. a little money and time into sure, it. Sure. And at least he considers that. It's so, interesting, too, because on my third episode, I interviewed a guy by the name of Barry Broom. Barry Broom wrestled for us at John Carroll. Okay. He's the president of the Greater Sacramento Economics Council. Wow. Okay. You talk about going into CEOs. Wow. Up. And he said what wrestling got him to do is be the most prepared guy in the room. He says, when I walk in there, I'm the most confident guy. And I meet CEOs of the biggest of the biggest. Okay? Right. And so I love that philosophy. I love what you're bringing to the marketplace because preparation is also not only confidence, but it's also a respect of your audience. Absolutely. Well, you know what and Ray Lewis have, says? The five me. Ps? You know the five Ps? I'm, Proper I'm, I'm, preparation right. prevents poor performance. I love it. I'll say it one more time. Right. Proper preparation prevents Prevent. poor performance. I love and it. And that's the greatest, I think, the greatest linebacker that's ever lived. And he was and a two-time heavyweight champion for Georgia or Florida. I, I Florida. didn't know that. Yes, yes. He loved I knew you wrestling. had to go your wrestling. He uh, loved uh, wrestling, man. <laughs> he loved wrestling. Well, you know, I mean, hey, you know, we've got a lot of wrestlers that are very yeah. successful in football. Absolutely. So there's no question about Absolutely. that. You know? So, Michael, thank you for coming in. I could talk to you for another, you know, we hour could. or so. Absolutely. Maybe we'll, we'll do this again. And, you know, we're going to do that. We, we, we're going to bring guests back. And 
Uh, my my, and whether you love him or hate him, my hero uh, in interviewing style, without question, is Howard Stern. Yeah, I and love he's him. our generation, he's, right? He's great. And it's interesting because I love him. <laughs> Howard Stern has the exact opposite experience that I do in high school, because he went to a school with African Americans that beat right. the snot out of him because right. he was this gangly white kid, right? Right. I went to an all Jewish school, right? And my way of competing with you guys was through insults, <laughs> was through intellect. We didn't fist fight. No, no. We insulted. We used our words, right? <laughs> exactly right. So it's kind of funny when I hear him, but he he really gets to the to the meat of the to the interview, and I, and I love that. Whether you like his politics or you like his style or right. whatever, you cannot deny what he does when it comes to this. And so saying that, I'd really appreciate you coming here. We could talk, uh, and we're going to bring you back. But what we what we like you to do is leave our audience with some nugget or or nuggets that you would say to to them. Do this, and you will very much, uh, you know, get a, a a pot of gold, if you will, or some lesson learned. Well, if you don't mind me copying what you told me at the beginning, please do. I think there's the. One of the reasons for my success yes. has been authenticity. Love and I, I know the, the lady just before me had it's said great. it. Because yeah. when I deal with, and I do deal with billionaires, sure, I've learned that when you deal with people that have more power and wealth, yes, they mostly respect not that you want to be like them, that right. you're like yourself and you don't wanna you don't wanna ask them how they you can ask them how they did it, but you don't right. want to ask anything of them. And that's been sure. a very, very strong secret to my success and just being authentic. And right. I will tell you that, you know, <laughs> as Zig Ziglar said, again, in the, yeah, our generation, yeah. and the kids that are listening don't even know who he is. Yeah. You know, every day you get up is way better option than not getting up. Exactly. You know, and so, and, and you got to really, and yeah. then, you know, look, you yeah. know, you're coming to a party I'm having. I can't wait. Being grateful yeah. right. is, and you hear this from a lot of people, but yeah. the, the concept of being grateful. So if you noticed every email I've ever written, in the last right. 20 years, I don't say sincerely, I say thanks. Yes. And people even think it's a little obnoxious. You know, I'm on the phone, thanks, thanks, thanks. Yeah. But you know what? It goes a long way. We all, we, all, we all need other people. Absolutely. And I especially need other people. I've got no success without a lot of people. So understanding that, right. you know, again, if you want to get deeper into it, getting a mentor, you know, getting a mastermind, these are all important things it. for young people because yes. without it, you cannot do it alone. I that agree. would be my last message. You cannot do it alone if you want success with your family, we want success with business, we want success with sports. Sure. You have to have people in your corner. Well, I celebrate that because yep. I celebrate with my 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 closing is cheers. Yeah, you know, so cheers to you. Thank you so much, Michael Friedman, a basketball player, <laughs> basketball coach, but more importantly, a coach of life. Thank Fantastic. You. Uh, much Success with the Revision Group, Thank with you. your book, My Bible of Blunders. Get it wherever you can get it. Amazon. Amazon, twelve ninety nine. It's a quick, easy Absolutely. read. You'll, you'll enjoy it. Absolutely. I can't wait to be at your party. But thank you again. We are blood. This is Coach Cimarroni. Love to all. I want to share my thought of the day with you. Be that nail that can take and welcome the hammering keeping everything together. Hi, my name is Andy Billman, and this is the Believe in the Land 
podcast, a weekly look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. The highs. Oh, Guardians Club, Guardians Club. The lows. I've been asked on this channel all the time, when are you going to panic? Panic button's been hit. And everything in between. I directed a film that came out in 2016 called Believe Land. And we love our sports here in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you, God! Check in for weekly podcasts and so much more. What the hell was that tonight? All in, all day, every day. Go Cleveland, believe in the land.